Today for our full sermon, we have Mr. Barnabas Grayson with a message entitled, Sabbath Bound. Mr. Grayson. Good afternoon, everyone. Sabbath bound. Nope, touchdown. Time out. I'm on standby. Yeah. Thumbs up. I always start out that way. On standby. Well, good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> Sabbath bound. The title of the sermon this afternoon. Are we Sabbath bound? By the end of the sermon, I hope to uh, explain that a little bit more and what I mean by that title, Sabbath bound. In the book of Matthew, chapter 12, there's a phrase there that we sometimes see on bumper stickers, on church marquees, and uh, signs, and other items. It uh, generally means that Christ is our Lord, that he is our master, that he is our savior. But that phrase has been cut off from the rest of what the scripture says, specifically in uh, verse 8 it says, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Of all the Ten Commandments, the fourth command uh, to remember the Sabbath, to keep holy is ignored by a lot of churches, by a lot of professing Christians, because they say it is done away, that Christ ended the law and so on, and that we're not saved by works, which is how they look at keeping the Sabbath as, as a work. You can't save yourself with works. I read the following words that I'm going to quote to you from a book. Uh, it's by a Christian minister, very uh, popular a long time ago, that uh, reflects the feeling of many church-going, Sunday-going uh, people today, people who worship on Sunday. Nothing wrong with worshiping on Sunday. It's uh, just the fact that they are probably laboring on the day before. But anyway, the quote is, he says that let us not forget that the Christian is not living under the Ten Commandments. Now, what would you say if, you know, you heard that first off from someone that the Christian is not living under the Ten Commandments? And he says the Ten Commandments are not in force for the justified Christian. And he said that when I say this, mouths drop open and the congregation gazes at me with horror. I reply that if we are still under the Ten Commandments, then every one of us should be a Seventh-day Adventist, where the Fourth Commandment states that we should worship on Saturday. And the Ten Commandments died on the cross. There's more to that, but I'll end the quote there. So those commands, he further explained, they were given until Jesus came. That they were a schoolmaster uh, leading to faith in Christ. And when uh, that faith came, the schoolmaster or the law was no longer needed. Now those of us that wear old hats in the congregation, you know, we've heard this from a long time ago. Some of those that are relatively new, it might seem new. But we know about the Sabbath and all of the commandments that are in regard to that. 
But we have to ask, well, if, on, based on what he said, if the commandments are not in force, then that means that, you know, you can kill, you can murder, you can commit adultery, you can lie, you can steal, and do all those things. Now in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, Christ said, famous quote to all of us here, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And, you know, he did that by uh, explaining the spiritual side of each of those commandments. Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So as long as we are Sabbath bound, then we're probably uh, on the right track, I'm sure, that on that way to being called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we know that Christ did not come to destroy the law, that he was not the end of the law, that he is the aim of the law as that word should be translated, not the end but the aim. And what he nailed to the cross was that death penalty for committing sin. That was the curse that was against us. That's what he nailed to the cross for, for us. So here's a test question. Where in the Bible are the Ten Commandments listed? You got it. Exodus, of course, chapter 20. Sometimes I forget. But in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, we see where it says in verse 8 to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. To keep it holy. So the opposite of uh, remember is what? Forget, yeah. So we, uh, the opposite of remember is to forget. So we're told to not forget the Sabbath day. And from those of you who are here today, you know, you haven't forgotten the Sabbath day, but then you really don't have to be in the congregation present to be mindful or keeping the Sabbath day. But we remember which day it is, the seventh day. And we're here to remember the Sabbath day to do what? To keep it holy, to keep it holy. Verse 9, six days shall you labor and do all your work. Now, I don't really labor all my six days like I used to. As you know, I have uh, taken uh, some time off. You can call it retired if you want to. <coughs> but you can do all your work, do all the things that interest you, do all the things that lead to your... Uh, to your uh, livelihood. You can do those things. Six days. You got six days. But, verse 10, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the eternal, your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, even your cattle, nor your stranger that is within your gates. For in six days the eternal made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, all that in them is, and he rested the seventh day. Wherefore, that's how the Lord blessed it. That's how he blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it, set it apart. In Genesis uh, chapter 2, I don't think I, yeah, I'll give this to Brian, yeah. Genesis chapter 2, 
verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. In Genesis, uh, the second uh, verse, On the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he, which he made. So we see how the uh, Sabbath was made, created, given to mankind by God. It was, you know, today it's already made holy for us. But we keep it that way. We're to keep it that way. We're to maintain it. And we do that by resting, by ceasing from our labor and our work. Which, you know, sometimes is kind of hard to do. And there's another place in which the Ten Commandments are found. And that is in Deuteronomy 5 and in verse 12. The one concerning the Sabbath begins here in verse 12. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. As the eternal your God has commanded you. Six days shall you labor once again and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You know this is repeated quite often there. And your son, your daughter... Your manservant, if you have any power over them, if you have any control or influence over them, we know that they are not to do any work for you. You're supposed to give them rest also. And remember, and remember in verse 15 that you were a servant in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now of all the Ten Commandments, we see that the Sabbath day is uh, very much elaborated on. In all the Ten Commandments, it is the only holy day, the, the festival, only festival that is specifically mentioned in the Ten Commandments. But we know that there are Sabbaths. There are Sabbaths plural. And so what we see in the commandment to keep the Sabbath, you know, just passes on to the festival days, the holy days that we also keep. So the day, we see, is of, of paramount importance. The Sabbath is the only holy day whose timing doesn't depend on any calendar. You know, seven days is seven days, and when the seventh day comes, it is the Sabbath. So it's beyond any human influence. It's like creation itself. It's there. Everything from, you know, the physical things that we see to the spiritual creation of the Sabbath. We also notice that it is an enforced rest. Now, some of us who have, you know, jobs that really take a lot of energy, take a lot of our time, a lot of toil, and when that day comes, we know that we have got to rest and there's no one who can tell us, hey, you got to come to work, you got to be here, we want you to do something for us, but, you know, we say, you know, uh, I'm not supposed to work on that day. I need to rest. And it depends on, you know, the strength of your faith. And sometimes we always refer to the ox in the ditch situation, you know, which, in which, you know, God will be merciful. There are times like that. So, it is a day to not do labor. Now, I know most of us are familiar with the uh, history of the Sabbath, where it began, how it began. And all the concerns and all the rules that went along with keeping the Sabbath by well-intentioned man as to what activities would be forbidden to do. Maybe 
we have a, not we, but maybe you, oh well, maybe somebody, has a list of do's and don'ts on the Sabbath. Or, you know, uh, sometimes we might say, well, you know, we shouldn't be doing this on the Sabbath day. It's, it's not appropriate. You know, we have to judge it for ourselves. But they had these concerns and these rules. And you probably heard some of these before. Forbidden, the 39 categories of forbidden work. The Talmud establishes 39 categories of work forbidden on the Sabbath. So uh, these things they laid out specifically so to be sure that you won't commit uh, some unlawful thing on the Sabbath. Ostensibly, these categories were based on the description of the building of the Ark of the Covenant found in the Torah. From these categories, the rabbis derive numerous other subcategories. They also would add prohibitions of their own in order to protect the Sabbath from desecration. So in knowing these things, here's what you would be looking at. Is if you were a farmer or a rancher doing agricultural work, here, this was forbidden to do, plowing the land. You know, that makes sense. You know, we, we wouldn't want to plow the land or even work our own gardens on that day. Uh, sowing seeds on the land. And, you know, I planted a little garden plot this year, and, um, you know, I was walking around there at the end of the Sabbath day and looking at uh, that ground. I thought, well, maybe I can make a little hole, put a seed in there. But, you know, my conscience told me, said, no, nah, I don't think I should. I don't think uh, I would have been struck down. But then, you know, you have, this, you have this spirit that is connecting you toward God, toward his will. You're, uh, the Sabbath makes you heaven bound in order uh, to, to be able to say to God, well, I've kept the Sabbath. I've done, you know, we're not perfect, of course. But you couldn't cut or harvest crops. You can't bind or gather crops. Uh, then there are next, the other four categories that have to do with uh, threshing, with winnowing, with selecting, with sifting, grinding, kneading, baking. And then if you were a seamstress in those days, here's what you couldn't do. You couldn't, uh, uh, regarding clothing and fabric, you couldn't shear, couldn't cut it, you couldn't bleach it, you couldn't do any carding, uh, dyeing, spinning, inserting thread into a loom, uh, weaving, taking off a finished product from a loom, separating threads, uh, tying a permanent knot, untying a knot in order to retie it, sewing, tearing. If you were a uh, person who worked in leather uh, or parchment or writing, you know, if you're, if you're writing, a writer or a poet or a song writer or something, here's some things you couldn't do. Uh, if you had to do with uh, leather or parchment, you couldn't catch game, you couldn't hunt. Uh, slaughter. Slaughtering, skinning or flaying, tanning, uh, scraping, marking out, like as in preparation for cutting. Uh, you couldn't cut, you couldn't write, you couldn't erase for the sake of writing again. Construction work, you couldn't build, you couldn't demolish for the sake of a building. A final hammer blow, you couldn't do that last act that completes or makes a usable finished product. Couldn't work with fire, kindling, and so on. 
A lot of other details I won't go into, but you get the idea. So they had all of these rules and regulations that you had to abide by so that you wouldn't be uh, doing something unlawful on the Sabbath day. We know that there was a Sabbath day's journey, about a, uh, which was about a mile from uh, uh, Jerusalem and, and no more. And so it would come into the mind of those who, well, I've gone a Sabbath day's journey, but I need one more step to get what I need. You know, it could go into that. So why so many do's and don'ts? Around 721 and 718 B.C., we know that uh, we read that Israel went into national captivity and punishment. A whole nation that was led away and enslaved. In our day and time, something like that is hard to imagine. But in Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 3, Son of man, speak unto the elders of Israel, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Are you come to inquire of me? As I live, said, saith the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Cause them to know the abominations of their fathers. So as we look into, you know, the books, we realize that there are examples, that there are lessons, that there are events that have happened that could apply to us. So we have to look to history so we don't repeat it. Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, in the day when I chose Israel and lifted up my hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob and made myself known unto them in the land of Egypt, when I lifted up my hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God, in that day that I lifted up my hand unto them to bring them forth of the land of Egypt into a land that I had espied for them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands, then said I unto them, Cast you away every man the abomination of his eyes, and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. For those who live through the uh, freedom, the escape from uh, uh, Egypt, all of these things that happened to them were things to remember, things that, uh, that made them closer to God because he was their protector, their deliverer. But he was making certain things for them not to do, forbidding them certain things. Verse 8, but they rebelled against me. They would not hearken unto me. They did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes, neither did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them to accomplish my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. After so long a time, and we know how it can be when uh, you have uh, children or you have people that would rebel, that, you know, it, it is uh, not the way to go, that you become discouraged, you become disappointed, and you become angry. And this is, what, uh, this is uh, the way it was with God when he saw all of these abominations, the idolatries going on. But I, but I wrought for my name's sake, that it should not be polluted before the heathen whom they uh, were in whose sight I made myself known unto them in bringing them forth out of the land of Egypt. Wherefore I caused them to go forth 
out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. And I gave them statutes, showed them my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctified them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes, and they despised my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them, and my Sabbaths they greatly polluted. And then I said I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. But I brought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted before the heathen in whose sight I brought them out. So he lifted up, in verse 15, he lifted up his hand unto them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land which I had given them, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. So they had this promise that there was a promised land that they were going to and that there were certain things that they had to do along the way, but yet they failed in a lot of ways. And sending them into national cavity, captivity before other nations that were heathen. Still, God did not want to dishonor his name, his reputation. His reputation as a merciful, as a kind and loving God. So, verse 16. Because they despise my judgments and walk not in my statutes, but polluted my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eyes spared them from destroying them. Neither did I make an end of them in the wilderness. But I said unto their children in the wilderness, Walk you not in the statutes of your fathers, neither observe their judgments, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and keep my judgments, and do them and hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. But notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They walked not in my statutes. Verse 22. Nevertheless, I withdrew my hand and wrought for my name's sake that it should not be polluted in the sight of the heathen in whose sight I brought them forth. So we see that God is merciful, wise in judgment, not to be known as a God of wrath or anger, but of loving Kindness. You can read the rest of that chapter and you can see how Israel was condemned for breaking his Sabbaths and they were cut off because they forgot God and the identifying sign that, would, uh, that they could acknowledge and worship him. Now, as we saw in Matthew chapter 12 and uh, verse 1, that it was on the Sabbath day that that phrase that we opened with was... Uh, was uh, spoken. We see where it was on the Sabbath day that Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn or through the grain and his disciples were hungry and they began to uh, pluck the ears of the grain and to eat and when the Pharisees saw it you know, they, they said unto him behold look look at your disciples they're doing that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day you know, according to the customs of the, of the Pharisees, what Christ and his disciples were doing was unlawful. It was unlawful. But they saw the disciples doing what they were teaching against. And, you know, they were out to uh, find ways to condemn Christ. 
Now, of course, when you look at the Sabbath day, there are various ideas about uh, what and what not to do in the observance of the Sabbath day. For some, it can be, be a day of gloom and a day to sometimes sit it out, especially when you, know, you really don't know what you should be doing because you might be afraid to make any kind of move on your own. But in the uh, eyes of some, the Sabbath is looked upon as a yoke of bondage, as though it's hard and difficult to keep. But for some, it is a day of fellowship, of being with family, of being with brethren, of having fellowship with one another, of studying, of thinking about God's word, and as a day of worship. So our approach is going to uh, vary. And what we do know is that we are to cease from labor, to cease from doing thy work. You know, together we're here to hear the word of God, whether we hear it or uh, see it as we uh, read it ourselves. That's one way of looking, of delighting in the Sabbath day, but our approaches are going to vary. Uh, when Sabbath is, uh, we, you know, we think church is over, that really does not end the Sabbath day, but uh, my wife and I will sometimes go to uh, um, someplace to eat, you know, she'll ask me, where do you want to eat, you know. It takes me a long time to wonder, where do I want to eat? And so, uh, I try to get her to think for me. <laughs> it makes it easier. So uh, she asked me coming over here, well, where do you want to eat after services? And I thought, well, I still haven't told her. I haven't made up my mind. <laughs> but, uh, you know, after we leave from uh, church services, you know, they're, they're, we still have the Sabbath to keep. So, you know, uh, ideas are going to vary. And there are some, of course, who, you know, don't want to go to a restaurant or a cafe or someplace and make someone else work. But what we do know is that we are to cease from doing our labor, to cease from doing our work. Mark chapter 2, uh, I think I may have given you the wrong scripture there, Brian. Mark 2, 23, verse 23, it says, it came to pass, and this is uh, just like Matthew 12 says, and it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. I'm repeating myself, but uh, I guess I'm supposed to. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered, he and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and did eat the showbread which is not lawful to eat but for the priest and gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So it is his day. It was made for man and it showed that it was all right to procure food on the Sabbath if one is hungry and if it is necessary. And we know the scripture that it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And 
that very, very scripture will sometimes bring about, you know, we could have a whole lot of interpretations of that. But what it concerns is doing good for one another, whether it be for each other as brethren or family or friends. And I can be thankful too. Uh, we could be all be thankful that there are some who are standing watch. You know, uh, the tower, the gates. Who are watching, you know, for the enemy or watching for uh, hazards and emergencies. You know, we have our firemen, we have our policemen. We have our nurses, we have our doctors that are there to lend us hand, help. There are some things uh, that uh, are needful that we have to uh, call upon. Mark chapter 3. Okay, we've got this one. Verse 1. He entered again into the synagogue and there was a man there which had a withered hand. A withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. So they knew this man was, had this withered hand. Don't know how it appeared, but it was withered. It was useless. And they, since Christ had gone about healing, that they figured that, well, if he saw this man, this man asked that he would heal him. But this was a Sabbath day, and they were out to catch him. So they watched him, in verse 2, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man, which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, as to these Pharisees, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day? He's asking them, is it, is it okay to uh, do good on the Sabbath day? Or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, he said unto the man, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Christ said to the, to the, to the man, he said, stretch forth your withered hand. And I guess without thinking, the man stretched forth that withered hand, and it worked. And it was restored whole right before their eyes. A marvelous thing. But he was grieved at the, the hardness of their heart because they didn't have the mercy. Because he had asked them, is it, was, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil? So you can imagine that at one, sometime in our future, or even when we're confronted with somebody with authority, that as they look you in the eye and they ask you a question that you're supposed to know, that sometimes it is difficult because, you know, the focus, the, the eye, the penetration, it just, it just uh, uh, takes you by shock in a way. The eyes, well, I... Reminds me of, uh, you know, Father's Day. You were mentioning Father's Day. And, uh, of course, Carolyn asked me what I wanted for Father's Day. And, you know, I'm humble. I said, no, nothing. And uh, just a card, maybe. But uh, we went over to uh, Toys R Us to, to buy a, a gift for one of our grandkids. You know, I think he was the last one on the list. And uh, uh, was went over to Toys R Us and uh, was looking around there. And uh, I guess I'm a kid by heart. 
they don't have the kind of toys that I had when I was younger, but boy, everything's neat and nice. But I saw there this uh, stuffed uh, orangutan monkey, <laughs> and his eyes caught my attention. <laughs> so I picked it up, held it in my arms, just like a, just like a monkey, you know, his origin. He had this, this face there, those eyes, and uh, Carolyn was walking down the aisle. She didn't see me pick it up, and I, I said, hey, you. Come here. <laughs> she blushed. <laughs> now I used the paws, the arms, and I said, Come here. <laughs> and I, I kept charming her my direction. Then I said, Look into my eyes. <laughs> Not my eyes, but I was the voice of this uh, orangutan. And, and anyway, uh, she expressed her embarrassment. Get that thing away from me. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, sometimes the, the eyes have it. So much so that I, I, I didn't buy it. <laughs> I didn't buy it. But uh, I was at home in the garage, and she come pulling into the garage, and she has this monkey with her. <laughs> <laughs> so we want some more of this, eh? <laughs> and uh, so I... I she, uh, she thought, and I thought, well, you know, I can always uh, play with the kids and maybe gather some truths out of them or something, you know. Because sometimes kids, they talk to a stuffed animal, you know, and for some reason, yeah, it was talking to Carolyn, and she was responding to it. <laughs> um, I, don't guess, I don't guess weed after church services today. <laughs> She's not going to take me where I want to go. <laughs> but... Uh, just a little bit of levity there. Uh, my grandkids, they, uh, uh, one of them to whom I pulled this little prank on, he sent me, gave me a card that he handed, and there was this monkey on, he cut out of paper, it was on the front of the uh, greeting card, and it said, look into my eyes. <laughs> 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 Happy Father's Day. So, uh, I really didn't want anything, but I just thought I'd bring it up. I, I was about to fall asleep, so. <laughs> uh, where was I? <laughs> but this man stretched forth his withered hand, and we see the, the awesome power of Christ, that he was merciful on the Sabbath day. And it was restored. So on this day, this scripture shows us that there was restoration that there was healing, and that there was grief at the hardness of, uh, of these Pharisees' heart. In Luke chapter 13, verse 10, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, and was bowed together, and in, could in no wise lift up herself. We've probably seen people in that condition. Uh, you know, as you age, it's, it just seems that you go over and just can't, can't get back up. And she had this infirmity 18 years. And Jesus saw her. And he called her to him. And he said unto her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. 
And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. And he said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord then answered him and said, You hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? You know, there's a certain thing, certain things that animals can't do for themselves, especially if they're pinned up. You've got to give them water or food and it's this thing every day. So the Lord then answered him, uh, Ought not this woman, verse 16, And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bound, this bond on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him on the Sabbath day. So scripture records being loosed, or someone being helped, or giving a helping hand. So we know that it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath, and we see that it is also to be called a delight. Verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So we see that the Sabbath is a holy convocation. You know, as Leviticus 23 3 says, it's a commanded assembly of God's people. Christ exemplified that as he went to the synagogue. In verse 17, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Eternal is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So we look at that scripture perhaps in a physical way, but it can be applied in a spiritual way also. And verse 19, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. You know, he said, uh, gave that, uh, those words there, and perhaps even expounded on what that particular scripture meant and, and all the other things that were said. So, whether we hear scripture from the pulpit or read it on our own or in a message, we, we see the words of Christ coming through. Or whether, you know, we might hear it in someone's house, you know, uh, in those days, uh, uh, they met in houses, somebody's home. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 4. Have this and one more scriptural reference to uh, go to. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 2. You know, let us therefore fear, is what the, the preceding scripture says, a promise being left us of entering into his rest, that any of you should come short of it. Verse 2, for unto us was the gospel preached, the good news, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into, into rest, as he said. 
And as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, saying, Therefore it remain, remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So, you know, when we come to Sabbath services, it's a way of, you know, softening our lives, of learning the will and the way of Jesus Christ as he preached the gospel, because, you know, salvation come, comes through him. And for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. So we see that we labor to get into the kingdom. We do that by, you know, replacing our human nature, the, uh, the wrong ways of life, replacing it with God's will in our life. Let us therefore labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall, after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let's drop down to verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, which assures us that we can let us therefore boldly come unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in, and uh, to help in time of need. So we have a destination. We have a Sabbath. We are a Sabbath bound. Genesis uh, verse chapter 2 again, it says in verse 1 that thus the heavens... And earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh, seventh day from all his work which he had made. So on the seventh day God finished his work, but what did he create? He created the Sabbath. He created rest. And we see the Sabbath of rest, but then more than that, it's a day of holiness. As we look to the future, we see that a holy government is coming, and that the holy law shall go forth from Jerusalem, and Christ will reign as holy king over the earth, and all the holy saints with him. In Hebrews, the, the days of the week are, you know, are known by number. They're numbered rather than a name like uh, Sunday is the first day. It was known as the first day. But of all the days that, were, are, that are mentioned, of the seven days, the uh, Sabbath is, is the one exception. It's, the seventh day is called you know, Shabbat or, or a Sabbath. 
So it stands above all the rest of those days as a very important festival day to us, a day in which to delight. Some do special things like light candles or bake special foods, uh, not on that day, but you know, previous to that day because you don't want to hinder yourself in, in, in just enjoying. So whatever one does is in honor and worship of God. The Sabbath is a day in which we not only look back to the memorial of creation by a great and loving God, but also are reminded of a day that is ahead. And we come together as a holy congregation. So it is a day in which we are Sabbath, Sabbath bound for that Sabbath of rest that is ahead, bound for the promised land. Therefore, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And as the scripture says, there remaineth therefore a keeping of the Sabbath to the people of God. So let us labor, therefore, to enter that rest as we work out our salvation according to God's truth.